Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Appreciate you being here today for the podcast. Really excited about the uh, postcard, postcards, I should say, I received here uh, recently. This one from Kevin Lendio. Kevin, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, uh, but Kevin is going to Japan as a missionary from the LA area. Wrote me just a such an encouraging note, but uh, Kevin, you must be a professional photographer or at least a, a wannabe professional because you sent me some beautiful pictures. This one is a traditional funeral in the Quang Tri province of Vietnam taken back in February of 2016 and just uh, really captures the essence of um, that funeral and gives you a burden uh, for so many of those countries in Southeastern Asia that don't know the Lord. And when you see a funeral uh, that is being conducted by a religion other than Christianity, it just really reminds you of the burden that all of us should have uh, to reach people while we can with the gospel of Christ. And so, Kevin, thanks for um, sharing that. And there's a couple other pictures you sent that I want to show our listeners over the next couple of days. So thanks for your burden for the Lord. And if you think about it today, pray for Kevin as he heads out to Japan uh, on the mission field, another very needy field. Uh, had an opportunity some years ago to go to Japan with Dr. Sisk, one of my heroes in the faith. And we just retraced some of the steps that he had made many years ago, 60 years ago, when he went to Japan back in 1963. So hard to believe. Hey, I did want to say that if you are a missionary uh, family out there listening to the podcast, I would love for you to send me your missions card. And I'd love to share that on the podcast and we could get folks praying for you and for your field uh, there, wherever you're serving. Uh, that would be a great thing. Maybe even a, a church tract. Uh, from your home church. I'd love to introduce your church on the podcast. Uh, we are in Mark 14 today, brand new chapter. That's exciting. We uh, only have three chapters left in this little short gospel of Mark. Look, if you would, at verse number one, Mark chapter 14, verse number one, uh, where the Bible says, after two days was the feast of the Passover. So the wording there is, so in two days will be the Feast of the Passover. I know it's a little bit confusing, the wording, but that's what that means. And of, and, un, and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft, deviously, deceptively, and put him to death. So during that last week of Jesus' ministry, as he spoke openly uh, in the temple and as he taught his disciples rather free, freely in a number of different places, whether it be on the road as they would make their way in and out of Jerusalem daily or on the side of the Mount of Olives where we've been for the last few episodes. Uh, Jesus had relative freedom uh, that last week of his public ministry. 
And it seemed as if, although he was challenged by various groups, like this, excuse me, like the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the various groups that we've been talking about, nobody arrested him, uh, even though the religious leaders were, they've had enough of him and they want to arrest him and they, they, they don't like his popularity. They're afraid. We've talked about this. On the one hand, they really want to silence him. On the other hand, they want to retain their popularity with the crowd, and they know that arresting Jesus would impinge upon that popularity. So they're, they've been really between a rock and a hard place, but they've been looking for an opportunity. Now, add to that the fact that Judas has already met with them. He's already, he's not met with them, but rather has, is already looking for an opportunity to betray them. And the reason I say all of that is because chronologically, verses 1 and 2 of Mark 14 are taking place in the middle of that last week. And now we're about to dive into a, an event that took place this Saturday before, the, before Palm Sunday. So understand that the books of Matthew and Mark, uh, they, they aren't written entirely chronologically. They're written thematically. So sometimes you'll get an event or two that when you compare Scripture with Scripture are not necessarily in chronological order. So what Mark is pointing out here is that the, the week of Jesus' final the ministry there in Jerusalem, that final week of ministry, I should say, is a week where the people, the, the, the leaders have been looking for a way to arrest him. They've been looking for an opportunity, a scheming, an opportunity. And the reason why we're going to go back to the story of the, uh, well, well, we'll see it here in a moment, of the alabaster box of ointment is because it seems as if it was after that story that Judas looked for an opportunity to betray the Lord. He was so I think it's connecting that. Uh, be that as it may, the story in John 12, 1 through 8, and the story in Mark 14 and Matthew 26 is the same story. The story of the alabaster box of ointment. Look at verse number two. But they said, this this talking about the arrest of Jesus, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. So Get this in mind. Two big things to keep in mind. Number one, this is a season of time when the religious leaders are looking for an opportunity to arrest Jesus and yet retain popularity among the people. So keep that in mind. So with that in mind, now Mark goes backward to an event that took place on Saturday, on Sabbath day, the day before Palm Sunday. So we're going back a few days and this story aligns with John 12. It's the same story that's told in Matthew 26. Now, do not get the following story about the woman uh, with the alabaster box of ointment, Simon the leper. Don't get this story confused with Luke chapter 7. So in Luke chapter 7, there is a woman that comes to visit Jesus when Jesus is in the house of Simon the Pharisee. Simon was a common name during the days of Jesus. So that's a different story. It happened months, if not years before this story, and it's they're not to be confused. So I've said a lot here in the last two minutes. I think I've probably confused you, but to reiterate, Matthew 26, 
Mark 14, John 12, same story. The chronology is off in Matthew and Mark because the books are written thematically. But this story actually took place the Sabbath day before Palm Sunday, so the day before Palm Sunday, okay? Now, with all that in mind, look at Mark chapter 14 and verse 3, where it says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard. So nard was a very expensive perfume that was imported from India. And when the Bible talks about a box, what that means is a container. So don't picture necessarily a cubicle box, but rather a container, probably something more shaped like a flask. But the Bible says an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And the word precious here means valuable in the sense of it costly, very costly. So very precious. Uh, and she break the box and poured it on his head. So we've all heard messages, I'm sure, about the alabaster box of ointment. Broken and spilled out is the old song. And she gave all to Jesus, poured it all out. This very expensive container of, of perfume and, and ointment. Uh, matter of fact, the Bible assigns a monetary value to that container at, at being 300 pence. Uh, an average worker during the days of Jesus would make one pence a day. So this would be a container of ointment that would be worth almost a year's wages. So think about that. That is really an expensive container of ointment. Why? Why would this woman... Now, we know her name because the, the John account, John 12 account, tells us that this was Mary. Now, which Mary was this? Because there are several different Marys in the Bible. This was Mary, the sister of Martha, the sister of Lazarus. Now, what's very interesting about that is that Lazarus is at this meal. How do we know that? Because the, the, the account in John tells us he was there. And Lazarus, just six weeks before, had been deathly ill, had died. Jesus showed up late. Remember that? I'm, I'm making quotation marks in the air right now if you're listening. And Jesus had come and raised Lazarus from the dead. And that one event, the raising of Lazarus from the dead in John 11, was a watershed event in the life and ministry of Jesus. Why? Because that was the event that really was the final cleft, the final uh, demarcation point, division between the opponents of Jesus and the followers of Jesus. And it says specifically in John 11 that Caiaphas, the high priest, was now more determined than ever to make sure that Jesus is put to death. So those that believed, believed more greatly. And those that doubted, now were entrenched in their doubt and their opposition of Jesus. So interestingly, on this feast day, on this Sabbath day, Mary is there, Martha is serving, as you might expect, uh, Lazarus is there, the disciples are there, Jesus is there, all there at that home, and uh, the home of Simon the leper, and this happens. This woman comes in, Mary, and breaks this box of ointment and pours it out upon the head of Jesus. I've mentioned this 
in several sermons that I've preached, but what, what an act this was uh, for Mary. I think it signifies at least three things. Number one, I think it signifies the fact that Mary was willing to serve Jesus because the act of applying ointment, that, that aromatic perfuming ointment upon the head or the brow of a guest was typically the job of the servant, along with washing the feet, along with the kiss of greeting. And Mary was doing the job of this servant in an extraordinary way, wasn't she? But not only that, what she did was very costly. It represented a sacrifice, a financial sacrifice, to put it that way. There was was nothing too costly or too precious, but that it could not be given to Jesus. What a great example for all of us. And then thirdly, what she did that day really was a demonstration of her faith. Because Jesus will say later on in this passage, in this story, that what she has done is really uh, a matter of anointing me ahead of my burial. Now, I want you to think very carefully about that because Jesus has been announcing his death for some time. Ever since the great confession of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus has been clarifying to his disciples what the ministry of Messiah is going to look like. It's going to be, it's going to involve death, burial, and resurrection. He has made that clear. And yet, for some reason, the preconceptions of these Jewish disciples has so clouded their mind, have so clouded their mind that they're not seeing it. As a matter of fact, Peter said in Matthew 16 about the fact that Jesus would die. Uh, Peter looked at Jesus and said, no, not so. And Jesus actually said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, to try to circumvent the suffering of Christ would be to circumvent salvation's price, redemption's mission, and to get the be that's satanic. So Jesus has been harping on this theme, and it seems as if the disciples have only been concerned about the kingdom. You're a Messiah. You're going to be king. We're going to rule and reign with you. They saw only benefits. They did not see this road of suffering, did they? And Jesus had been reminding them, if any man come after me. Let him take up his cross. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. But they just wouldn't and couldn't see it. And yet here's a woman in Mark chapter 14 who has simple faith in what Jesus has said. And based upon that faith, she acts and says, I'm not going to wait until death to show my love for Jesus. I'm going to anoint him now. I'm going to serve him now. What a great principle for all of us, not waiting until death when it when it's clear who Jesus is. One day when we die, it'll be clear who Jesus is. When Jesus died, was buried and rose again, it was clear that his claims were true. But this woman believed it before any of it happened. That's real faith. And she wanted to anoint him then. And Jesus praised her for that in a profound way. And we'll talk about that praise in a future episode, either tomorrow or the next day, and we'll talk about that. But what a great demonstration of servitude. Right here, Mark chapter 14 and verse 3, as Mary breaks the alabaster box of ointment. That's all the time we have. Matter of fact, we're a little bit over time, so I'm sorry for the the, uh, extra time today. We're going to jump right back into verse number 4 next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. 
If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.